for a moment of prayer together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, today we thank you that you are a God of connections. That, Father, when we weren't even considering connecting with you, you chased after us and you called us to be your own, to be your children. And so now as we open your word, Heavenly Father, connect with us in a fresh and a dynamic way in our hearts and minds that we would become more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Today, we are continuing a series called Launch. As on January 1st, a few weeks ago, we embarked on another elliptical journey around the sun on this planet Earth. We're on a, a journey around the sun. Every day, we travel over 1.6 million miles, hurling through space at 67,000 miles an hour. Already since the ball dropped in Times Square a few weeks ago, we've, we've gone over 30 million miles. And as we look at 2020 ahead of us, it's going to be a year with some, some good times and there's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some challenges and there's going to be some, some triumphs. But what we've learned is that God has an extraordinary plan for you this year. Are you gonna, how are you going to spend your time this year? Are you going to just fly around and, and look back with regret are you going to say, God, I want to be a part of your extraordinary things this year? God also wants us to see how, how vast and how, how big he is and that there is nothing that we are facing, no challenge in our life that he can't handle. And so then today, in the next few moments, I want us to, to look at a message that I've entitled, Who's in Your Crew? Who's in Your Crew? Think about it for a moment. If you were to go to, to space, you, you couldn't get there alone. Like when they were starting the, the space program, they had a couple of astronauts that went up and orbited all by themselves in the capsule, but they didn't get there by themselves. They had like, you know, somebody that built the rocket, a whole crew of people in the, in the command center helping them. Who's in your crew? God has called us to be a people of connections, that we're not alone, and he is calling you to connect with people around you this year. But the Bible teaches us that we need to be very considerate and thoughtful of who we're surrounding ourselves with because why because here's a key thought today that i want you to to get if you're following along in your outline it's this that if you show me your friends i'll show you your future show me your friends and i'll show you your future one of the wisest men in all the world solomon king solomon wrote a lot of the Proverbs, and he could say it a lot better than I can. Listen to what he said in Proverbs 13. He says, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You want to become wiser? He says, walk with the wise. You want to become better? Walk with those who can make you better. If, you, if, you, if you're just running with the wild things all the time, you're probably not going to end up in a great place. He says, walk with the wise, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I want you to think for just a moment about your life and your friends. Think about like, who are your three closest friends in your life, like your best friends. If you had, if you had to just jot it down for a moment, think about it and, and you picture those people in your mind. As I was preparing for the message a few weeks ago, I was talking to, to a lady in the preschool. She was dropping off her kids, and I was, you know, I just bounce off ideas, and I say, who are your closest friends? And she, you know, named a, another friend, and then she's like, she's thinking, and like, uh, 
I, I don't know if I really have any more. Like, she was struggling. You know, and here's what we find, this phenomenon that we live in today in this culture that we're in, is that people, it appears that they have a lot of connections and a lot of friends. Like, think about social media for a second. You got Facebook, you got Snap, you got Instagram. You got, I got, like, 800 friends. I got 1,000 friends. You know what, like I might see your life on Facebook or you see mine, I go, man, like, hey, congratulations, you ran like a 5K last weekend, that's awesome. Or maybe I, like you post this and like I know you went to the gym and you saw this guy. Like guessing he doesn't come to the gym often, like what, does he even like know how to use the equipment, like what's going on, I see you and we laugh, but like do I really, do I really know your life and like have I connected with you? And so sociologists are telling us that that there's a new kind of, of poverty that we're seeing in the world. Let's look at poverty for a second. There's basically experts teach that there's three kinds of, of poverty, and the, the first one is this, is material poverty. If you've been on a mission trip or you've gone to an emerging country or third world country, you see a lot of poverty like Haiti or something like that. But if you say like, you know what, I'm so broke, I can't even afford Star Wars movie tickets and a, a popcorn and that big thing of milk does. Man, I, I'm in poverty. Like, no, that's like, that's not poverty. You know, that's first world kind of problems. There is, there's like real poverty out there. And then the second kind is called spiritual poverty. Some people here, even in this community, have a lot of material things, but they, they still have a, a, a gnawing emptiness and a void inside their life. They, they have no connection with their creator, and they have no spiritual relationship with their savior, and they're longing for spiritual peace in their life, a spiritual poverty. The last one is this, a relational poverty. Relational, you might have a lot of stuff, and you might even have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, but, but maybe you're disconnected and, and have no friends, and there's an epidemic of loneliness going on right now in our country. A couple of years ago, our Surgeon General submitted an article to the Harvard Business Review, and he said there's an epidemic of what he called disconnectedness, social disconnectedness in our, in our society where people are longing for friendships and connections. When I was growing up in our youth group at church, I went to a church over across town in North Richland Hills, and, and we would do vacation Bible school there, and then we would take, our youth would take vacation Bible school down to the Valley of Texas, down to Westlaco, Texas. It's down near the border, and you can almost see into Mexico over there, and we would do v VBS for these kids in this town. And man, we'd set it up, and they would come. And I remember these, these kids would come, and, and a lot of them had tattered, like, dirty-looking clothes, and some of them didn't have the shoes, and they just came to get the juice boxes and the cookies. But they would show up, and they, they would play, and they would run around, and they had a, a gleam in their eyes. And then the, the ladies at the church would get in the kitchen to make us all food, and we would, they, we would watch them, and they would be just so happy and interacting, and they just had this joy in their lives. And we had come from this suburban up here, and we were like, how? They don't have anything, but look how happy they are. They had relational richness. They were depending upon each other. They were, they were encouraging one another. They might not have had it all in material things, but they had relational richness, and that's what your heavenly Father wants for you today. He doesn't want you to be in a drought in your life or impoverished, but he wants you to be rich with meaningful relationships. God wants you to know this truth today, that you might be one friend away from changing the course of your life. You're like, wait a second, that's a bold thing to say. 
How can you say that? You might be one friend away from changing the course of your life. Think about it. Have you had a friend that's made a, a big impact in your life? One of the best biblical examples that I love to, to illustrate this is in the New Testament. It's the Apostle Paul who became one of the biggest evangelists for the gospel, and he wrote over two-thirds of our New Testament. But it didn't start out like that. He was, no, if you know, he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. And he, he was going to stamp out the church. And he was going to do away with Christianity in Jerusalem when they were getting started. And so he was rounding up Christians and putting them in prison. And he was having some of them killed. He was actually on his way up to Syria, up to Damascus. And when Jesus confronted him on this road and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he, he confronted him. Saul had a transformational moment right there with Jesus. Where Jesus changed his life and he called him into a relationship with him. And then Saul, he wanted to become an ambassador to, to tell this message. But all the, imagine the, the Jews back here in Jerusalem, the Christians, they were like, wait a second, no way. Like this guy, he, it's a ploy, it's a trick. He doesn't really want to do this. He's trying to, to trap us. But then he had one friend, Paul, that stood up and went to bat for him in this story and it changed his life. It changed the course of, of Paul's life. And for 2,000 years, going back to him through history, millions of people's lives have been changed because of his ministry. Listen to the story, a piece of it in Acts chapter 9. It's when he came to Jerusalem. This is Saul. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas, he took him and he brought him to the apostles. Barnabas, he's a man that was called the son of encouragement. That was his reputation. He was so encouraging. He took him to the apostles, and then he told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, doing what? He was speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Barnabas, one friend used by God under the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, one friend altered the course of Paul's life. Wow. I want to say to somebody in this room today or somebody listening online, you might just be one friend away from God changing the course of your life. How, how is that? Here's the, the truth principle today. If you're taking notes on your outline, is this, is that the right people influence us to do the, the right things so that we can live according to God's right purpose. I love it here at St. John. Our mission statement is to connect with Jesus and connect with others and change the world. And so in the core, in the middle of our statement is to, to connect with others. About 11 years ago when I was here in Mansfield, they, this church, was, this building was being constructed. And if you were here, maybe you saw that here's the beams and the steel of this facility we're in now and the foundation. And I would, I would call Bill Dash up. He was the senior pastor at the time. And I'd stop by and he was so excited about this building. I'd go to his office. He goes, let's go walk around, man. Here, put this hard hat on. Let's go. And so we'd come over here. And like, man, it was, un it was incredible to watch the progress. But over here, I, I saw like a stack of sheetrock. And right here, I might see a, a stack of ducting. And, and over here, a bunch of stack of pipes. And what I saw, and I, I mean, it dawned on me, like, all these materials, these supplies were in the building, but they were not yet connected to the building. 
They were in it, but not yet of it. And so my challenge and call to you is today, maybe you're here at St. John and you, you've been in the building, you've been up here, but you're not yet connected to the family. And today God is calling you to link your life with this family of faith. He's calling you to go, to go deeper and to, to get into connections and relationships because the right people influence us to do the right things so we can live according to God's right purpose. When I was growing up, I was a kind of a geeky, like, music student, a piano student. I was taking lessons there. That was me, like, probably my, I was about 15 years old. And, and I went to church, and, and, and I was so shy. And my minister of music there had heard me play piano. He's like, would you play an offertory, like, one Sunday? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I did. And he's like, man, that was great. He goes, would you play another time? And I was like, oh. And I slowly started. He was encouraging me, like, man, you can do this. God's using you. And like, we started a little youth praise band, and I played keyboard, and I was starting to get experience, and it was, it was incredible. And so I was like, man, and when my senior year, I went to youth camp, and I was trying to, to pray about my future, and I felt the Spirit of God saying, I want you to take music and go into ministry and, and, and do it in the church. And I was confused, and I, how am I going to make a living doing this? Like, well, uh, and I went to my minister of music there, Paul Paschal, and he was probably in his mid-50s, and he said, man, I want to share a verse with you, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, and he began to pray with me and encourage me, and he made an impact in my life, and now he's in heaven, but I know someday when I see him again, we're going to see people that he impacted all over the world that are in ministry and churches as pastors and music people. And here was one man who, who had a, an influence in my life. And so God is saying, how, how are you influencing somebody? He's calling you to, to make a difference, to, to be that person to somebody else and make an impact in their lives. Today as we move ahead in this message, I want to show you that there is three kinds of friends that every person needs. There's three kinds of friends that every one of us in this room needs, and we're going to look at the life in the Old Testament of King David, but even before he became king, we're going to see that he had three kinds of friends that we need, and the first one he had was Samuel. Samuel is a friend who makes you better. Samuel is a friend who makes you better. Everybody needs a friend that'll make you better. And so here's the context of the story. So, so Samuel is this priest in the Old Testament, and God said, you need to go anoint a new king over Israel. So go to the house of Jesse. Jesse has seven sons. He has seven boys. So, so Samuel shows up. He sees the first one, the oldest, the tallest, and he goes, this is the man. And like God said, no. So they bring in number two. And like, man, this, this, is the, this guy is it. And like God said, no. And they go down the line, and they get to number seven, the runt. He's this David out in the, the pastures, a shepherd boy. They bring him in, and listen to what the Scripture says in 1 Samuel 16. So he, Samuel, sent for him, David, and had him brought in. He was glowing with health, and he had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel 
here was a man that went against convention and went against what, what people think. And he, he, was, he passed over all these other people. Why? Because the Bible says that man sees as, as the outward appearance of someone, but God doesn't see that way. He sees what? The heart. And he saw a heart in David, the, a heart that was a man after God's own heart. And he, Samuel, he followed God's wisdom, and he, he looked at someone who might have been overlooking somebody that might have been forgotten. And he says, I'm gonna follow God, and I'm gonna do something in your life. Have you ever felt like that, that you've been insignificant and, and just looked over, and God says, today I love you, and I wanna make your life better. We all need friends that can make us better. If you want to be a better parent, how about you find some, some people who are getting it right and you go, man, what are you doing? Give me some advice. If you want to become wiser and you hang with these people that can make your life better. The second friend that David had was Jonathan. And Jonathan is a friend who helps you find spiritual strength. Here's the context of, of how David and, and Jonathan's lives fit together. You had in Saul, King Saul of the Old Testament, this isn't the one we were talking about earlier, here's King Saul, and the Bible says the Spirit of God had come off of him and now it was on David. But Saul had a son named Jonathan, and, and this Jonathan and David were like best friends. But Saul was, was irritated with, with David and he was jealous of all of his success and he said, I'm gonna kill David. I'm gonna take him out. And so all of the forces of the king's command and everything goes to chase after David to, to, to kill him. And look what happens in Scripture with Jonathan. In 1 Samuel 23, it says, While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Wow, here's one friend helping another friend find the strength of the Lord. Wow, this is one of my favorite passages. Think about it. Uh, that, that he was helping him find strength in the moment when he was, he was so distraught and his life was being sought after. Do you have a friend that comes to you when you're down that can help lift you up spiritually? How about when you're, when you're hurting? There's that person that comes and, and is, it just brings the presence of God to you to help you. How about when you don't know what to do and you have that friend that comes and gives you godly advice and, and pours wisdom into you and, he, and says, I'm not gonna just pray for you, but I'm gonna pray with you. And when you're around this person, man, you're, you're becoming more conformed to the image of Christ just because of, of their presence in your, your life spiritually. And in turn then, you and I become that to someone else and we keep the cycle going. Do you have somebody in your life who lifts you up spiritually. The last friend that, that he had was Nathan. Nathan is the friend who will tell you the truth. If you know the story of David, you know that there was a chapter in his life that was very dark, and there was a time when he needed a friend that would come and confront him and speak the truth to him. Here's David, he was king and he, he, was, he saw Bathsheba and she was married but he got involved with her and he committed adultery over here and he didn't just stop there, he, to cover it up he, he said I'm gonna send her husband Uriah out into battle and I'm gonna have him killed and maybe this will all go away and uh, nobody, and, like, and so Uriah dies and man it's like a black eye on his life and on the, the whole nation and, but who was gonna go to David and say hey dude what are you doing, like really? Like, who's going to go to there? He's the king. 
So God tapped this man, Nathan, a prophet, and he said, I want you to go. So imagine the scene. Nathan shows up over here at the palace. He's like, hey, David, how you doing, man? Can we, can we talk? And he's like, man, Nathan, I hadn't seen you in forever. Let's sit down and, like, let's eat. I got some bagels. I got some lamb stew over here. It's like Esau's recipe. They sit down and they start talking. And Nathan's like, hey, David, I got the story I wanted to tell you. And David's like, oh, cool. He's like, man, there was, Nathan said, there was this rich man, and he had a bunch of sheep and lambs over here and a lot of stuff, and he, and he had a friend that was going to come visit him. And then there was like a poor family over here, this other man, and they had a little lamb that they, it was like their pet. They loved this lamb and slept with and ate with them, and it was just their only deal. And like, but the rich man, when, when, when his friend was coming to visit, he didn't take one of his own lambs and, and slaughter it. He went and got this guy's lamb, and he took it away, and he slaughtered it, and they ate it. And he's like, David was incensed. He was like, are you kidding me? Like, who would do this? He was angry. And right then, Nathan looked at him, and in the Hebrew, he said, Ata Ish, Ata Ish, you are the man. David, you are the man. And right there in that moment, the Holy Spirit crashed into David's mind and his heart, and it wrecked him. And instead of David standing up in defiance and saying, no, no, I didn't do that, he he fell on his knees and he ripped his clothing and in repentance he said, you're right, you're right. And he got on his knees and he said, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Restore the joy of my salvation, God. Nathan was a friend that would go and speak the truth. Why? Because God wanted to call David back to be the man after God's own heart. He didn't want to leave him where he was and maybe you've wandered off and, and you're over there and God's saying, hey, I know what you've done, but you're not disqualified. I'm, I'm not leaving you out there. I'm, I'm coming, I'm chasing after you, and I'm going to restore your life back to being a person after my own heart. His grace is amazing. He sent Nathan. Why? Because the Bible says this in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another person. Are the people around you making you sharper? Are they dulling your knife? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. The good news as we wrap this up today is that as we're on this journey through 2020, that there's, the Bible teaches us that there's even a better friend than an earthly friend that we can have. There's a friend that the Bible says sticks closer than a brother and that is Jesus Christ. And listen to what your Savior, Jesus says in John chapter 15 to his disciples and to us. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one life, one's life for one's friends. Greater love. What was Christ's motivation to, to go to the cross? Was it how, how much we impressed him with our goodness and our things that we could do to, to, to get his, his grace? No, he says, it's my love that when you were not even thinking about me and you weren't my friend, you were over here getting a master's degree or a, a PhD in sin. Like you were, you were like over here trying to figure out new ways to sin and be more deceitful and to be more against me. God, Jesus says, while you were in your trespasses and sins, Christ, he died for us. Why? So that we would no longer be an enemy of God, but that we would be called his friends. Greater love. Oh, my friend, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and, and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to our God in prayer 
greater love. You've got a friend. Imagine church. You might be one earthly friend away from an answer to that addiction or that loneliness, but you're one heavenly friend away from altering the course of your life here and for all of eternity. What if we were to all take an honest look in this room today and say, who's in my crew? Who do I need to, to maybe cut out of my crew? And who do I need to add and be and encourage? What if we were to say, it's time for me to get more connected here? at this church, and I love what mama used to say. She'd say, if you wanna have a friend, you gotta what? You gotta be a friend. Are you gonna be a friend this year? I challenge you to, to show the love of Christ and let him show you the greatness that he has in store for you this year. Church, it's time for us to launch out into all of that God is, is calling us into for me and for you. And so I ask you, who is in your crew? Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you that you sent your son Jesus out of your great love for us, that you would call us back into relationship with you and you would forgive us, you would connect with us. And so now, Lord, help us to go out and to be a living example of that love to people who so desperately need it in our work, in schools, in our communities. God, transform us by the power of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen.